<laughs> That's my routine impersonation. Hello, welcome everybody to the fourth bonus podcast of Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, as always, you know, doing my fucking dumb thing out here. In this uh, in this episode, uh, this bonus episode of Diary of Doom, we're going to be talking about the band Earthless, which I'm sure everybody fucking knows about. They're kind of a cornerstone of the, the stoner rock, stoner metal subgenre music uh i fucking love them i've been lucky enough to see them and uh to do that i've brought along my long long time podcasting friend mike crandall from the jim's bbu podcast which i'm also uh, a, a co-host of so welcome to welcome officially to diary of doom holy shit man this is an honor and I, i'm surprised <laughs> that you actually had me on this thing because I, I i mean i'm not a I'm not a doom metal aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I am quite honored to be on this uh, episode with you. Well, as I like to say, I, these episodes, I I like to bring on people who I have a good rapport with, and I would say that we have a pretty good rapport, considering we've actually been doing podcasting for quite a long time actually and we've known each other for a very long time i mean we're what six plus years into doing uh our other podcast together and uh we've known each other for longer than that it it's yeah man this is this is great I, i'm glad to always talk about music music is uh i feel like something that uh is universally accepted like you, you may not necessarily like all the same shit but man you, you can find some commonalities in music with the, with everybody. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that was, I, I don't know if that was necessarily something that we like uh, actually had in common, like when we met, because uh, I, you know, we, we come from like, you know, I would say fairly disparate lives, you know, you're a bit older than me and uh, we, we kind of met in a weird way. So I guess for anybody who doesn't, which is probably most people. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I haven't talked about Jim's BBQ that much on Diary of Doom, but for for anyone who like wants to li- that's subscribed to this and listening, which by the way, thank you. Um, <laughs> as of this time, we don't have any other subscribers besides August, so we'll just give him another shout out. So Mike and I got to know each other uh, because we're both Kevin Smith fans. Um, which is, you know, given the, you know, proclivity of, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I eventually became a fucking deadbeat pothead from New Jersey. It's not really like that uncommon or weird. And Kevin Smith, much in like the way that I think a lot of heavy metal communities and uh, other subgenres of, you know, rock and roll have, have grown over the years. 
it's like a pretty tight knit fan base. You know, there were a lot of fan meetups. People went to movie premieres together. People went to signings. Uh, in fact, Mike and I were actually at an event and Mike was so antisocial at the time. <laughs> he made efforts to avoid interacting with most people that day. <laughs> I remember when you first told me that story. That was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's tight. It's tight net to a point, I feel like there's definitely some people that uh, over the years I got to know and um, you, yourself included that we became really good friends with. But like, it, it, it takes a lot for me to let somebody in, you know, to my circle. I, I don't know, man. That's just the way I am. I, I, I'm glad to have met you uh, and uh, share a lot of great times with you, like through uh, Kevin Smith stuff and beyond that. That's that's one of the great things about this and about podcasting with you and doing things like this is just uh, all these other all these other things that we've had we've gotten to share over the years uh, trips we've gone on and experiences we've had it's 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 always always a great time uh, getting to hang with Dylan yeah and so you know we were just like you know bullshitting at an event one day and whatever and Mike essentially let was like oh I've been like kind of floating the idea of doing a podcast and after we had the, uh, enough kind of hangs. He was like, "We're gonna, I'm gonna ask Dylan and this other guy, Jim Edelston, to do it." And we kind of just ran from there. And it's never really been like a major thing, you know. We just kind of did it for fun and had some fun with it over the years. And uh, we sort of like brought it to brought it to events, but not necessarily like as like any kind of, you know, we weren't like trying to break news or something. We were just really there to have a good time and fuck around and kind of take advantage of some of the light opportunities we had, but it's, it paved the way for a lot of fun times. You know, we've gone on a lot of trips together and mm -hmm. I, and another thing that I think is, is fun about it, you know, to get a little introspective is just to like, kind of think about how I was when we started and just, how so like firmly planted I was in so many of my opinions and ideas. Not that I haven't like lost any of my, uh, you know, passion for things that I believe in or things that I like or anything like that. It's just, I do feel like I've become a bit more loose than, than starting out, which I think is good because I think if I had started doing diary of doom, like at the time that we started Jim's BBQ, I don't know how good that would have come out. Yeah, it's funny you say that, though, because I remember when we started uh, the other podcast that one of the things I, I had said to you is that I hoped that because uh, you were you were still quite young at that point, And I mean, you've, you've definitely matured over that time, is that I hoped that the podcast would sort of be like a guidebook for you. <laughs> and this the statement you just made. I think shows that it's come to fruition. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. I was actually right about something. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled now. I'm absolutely thrilled at this whole concept. That this oh is... man, that's fucking awesome. I kind of love that. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. great. And I mean, it, it's in it's in just somewhat, but yeah, I mean, you've definitely grown up uh, through uh, not necessarily through the podcast, but before our eyes, like through what we've done and um, seeing you from early on, like back, what, I mean, 10 years ago, all the way through 
now it's it's amazing and it's great it's great to see and it's great to see how you've grown you know the diary of doom thing and it's it's awesome and that's why i'm so honored to be on this honestly yeah it's it's been a cool ride so far i'm really enjoying it um and uh, you know it's sort of changed and kind of what it was originally but that's okay you know i think it's good to kind of keep an open mind to these things um and that's why with the you know with this uh you know, I hope people are enjoying, I know one person's enjoying it, but I hope that, you know, there are other people that eventually like sign up and whatnot, so that they'll enjoy this and be able to appreciate that it's, it's not just like the same metal people coming on. It's somebody else who might have a different perspective on things. It's always what it's been about for me is like kind of having, uh, not necessarily like having different perspectives that can get you down into a sketchy road sometimes having like unique uh perspectives and uh that are kind of outside the realm of the of normalcy for quote unquote you know metal and whatnot and you know uh, i just uh you know as of the time of this recording i just uh spoke with uh sam higgins who's the the one of the main dudes behind uh cosmic eye brewing this episode brought to you by cosmic eye brewing by the way drinking their uh 2000 truths uh double rye ipa it's really good man i mean and they're out in Lincoln, Nebraska, so check them out. Uh, Sam was nice enough to send along uh, some beer, um, which I really appreciate. But, uh, it, you know, besides uh, us, you know, having a, a mutual interest in Kevin Smith and checking out his things and, you know, enjoying the sort of uh, destination meetups and whatnot, another thing that we really bonded over was craft beer, you know. And, and as, I, you know, obviously just talked to Sam and uh, his episode will be coming out pretty soon, like as of, again, as of the time I was recording, his episode was just coming out. And that's something that like, we've been like super into, and you've been into like probably way longer than me. I don't remember being like super into it when I was able to start drinking, but you were like really, really into it. And I think that's something that uh, probably when I was young, I was like, hey, Mike, look, I'm drinking this. Do you think I'm cool yet? <laughs> you probably like, bro, calm down. Like just whatever, enjoy it. You know, we like to do a lot of beer shares. We like to bring stuff that's from our areas and bring them up if we're ever in town and hanging out and whatnot. But you were into it like a little bit before me. Inevitably and obviously, there's a huge crossover between craft beer and music. And that's definitely something that you've done yourself personally, just as like a fan on a solo consumption level. But I definitely think that there's a lot of things in your regular life where music and your two passions of yours sort of craft beer and music crossover and you know i figured we'd like chat about them because you're from rochester man you're from like the fucking hippie craft beer central of the world yeah we we've slowly become like one of those towns that is on the list with places like uh portland oregon and uh Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, Burlington, Vermont. Rochester, New York has become like one of those meccas now that's like just not only places that are local and, you know, fiercely local, but uh, other other breweries have moved in on it too, which is just remarkable. Like uh, a place in your neck of the woods, other half, yeah, is... Like, not only has a place here in Rochester, but also in Buffalo. And it, it's just, it's remarkable, like, what what that's become here. It's just, it's ginormous, man. And it's great. It's great. It brings a whole lot of people into the area. And 
you know, maybe, maybe helps out, you know, a lot of um, local businesses, not only the breweries, but maybe hotels and like tourism and whatnot. And that's great. And then a lot of these places also, you know, there's beer bars all around and then places that do both like uh, beer and music. You know, one of my favorite breweries in town is uh, Three Heads Brewing. And oh my God, they've just been able to start doing music again, live music at their tasting room. And it's great. They do like usually two to three nights a week. It's awesome. I mean, a lot of uh, jam band style stuff. And then uh, I just went and saw like a, a jam bluegrass band like this past Saturday. That was awesome. Local band called the Honey Smugglers. They were awesome. It was great, man. And then, I mean, they do get some uh, touring acts that come through occasionally. But yeah, it, it it's just it's phenomenal, man. It, and it's so great. It's it's so great to see the culture just grow, you know, like with the beer and the music and everything just kind of uh, kind of almost melds into one. That's something that I still like a lot about visiting Rochester is that I still feel like everybody up there is very much into the craft beer scene. And because I felt like by the time I had kind of moved out of my home and then moved out to Brooklyn, I kind of felt like everybody in New Jersey and maybe to some degree in New York, but probably not. Uh, but definitely kind of in New Jersey now, I felt like people were getting maybe a little bit tired of it, you know, and then obviously the pandemic happened and that threw a whole fucking monkey wrench into a lot of, you know, businesses and whatnot. But it's definitely a scene that much like doom and stoner there's a lot of it's kind of oversaturated you know it's kind of like metal and you know just sort of everything in general actually like there's a lot of oversaturation of it and it's been a little bit more difficult to kind of piece out like the 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 better items throughout and whatnot but like when you do find a good one fight you know i feel like finding a cool good craft brewery is a lot like finding a really good band because you just, you want to keep revisiting them and supporting them and seeing what they do with it, you know? And I, oh, I yeah. think, I think Jason from Wake said, you know, running, you know, operating a band is kind of like running a pirate ship, which is kind of like running a brewery. <laughs> it's like kind of a very similar thing. It's a lot of unpredictable moments. You don't know what's going to happen, but it can be very rewarding. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you can speak to that because you're pretty good friends with the guys at Three Heads and oh my god, man! I, yeah, yeah, and I mean they they grew from uh, basically being a, a contract brewed at a, at another brewery. That I mean, like you mentioned it, like how like some of the stuff has ebbed and flowed. There's there's been quite a few places that haven't survived, but there's been a lot that have come up from the ashes or have come up from other you know means to kind of fill in that gap and it's just it, it's amazing but those guys man the the hustle and the grind that they had to do to keep things rolling and keep things going during this whole uh pandemic and you know the, the big part of them was i mean they have this and i mean you've been to the room they have yeah. this beautiful tasting room with a stage and it's the day I walked in there, the first day I walked in there, I got chills just knowing what was what was coming, you know, just knowing that the potential for all these bands to come through and play there. And 
uh, the vibe that it was going to be just knowing uh, Dave and Jeff and Todd and, you know, uh, Dan and all, all of these guys and what they were going to do with this room. It brought chills to me, like just knowing, oh my gosh, this is going to be such an amazing place and such a special place for this city and uh, how proudful we are of places like that. So it meant uh, that, like I said, I went there this past Saturday. It'd been the first time I'd been to a show there in over two years. Wow. When I walked in the door and uh, Jeff was working the working the door and I looked at him, I went, this is the first show I've been to in over two years here. And he just looked at me and just gave me like one of those giant Jeff hugs. Yeah. And you've, you've been on the recipient of one of those. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, brother, he's like, I know. And he's like, this is just, this is just going to be so special. And it was, it was such a great night. And like the band was just like, this is amazing. We haven't played here in over two years. And everybody was just like, just having such a great time. All the smiles on the faces and everything. That's the vibe that that place brings. But man, did they have to hustle and grind during this whole, like these last couple of years, just to keep pushing beer out not only out of the tasting room, which they were open the whole time, but also like to distributors and whatnot. It, 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 man, what, what a hustle they had to go through to, to, you know, keep things going and keep things rolling. It was remarkable yeah. to see. Talking about them putting in the stage, uh, Cosmic Eyes working on that too. And it would be, as Sam said, great because they're like kind of the, in, I think he said they're like the in-between like Omaha and Nebraska or something like that. Or uh, I'm sorry. I think they're the in-between like Minneapolis and Omaha. And like, there's just like nothing in between. So it'd be like, uh, I was going to say a whole lot of cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like way out there. Three heads rules. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't really like reiterate what Mike said. It, it's a really fucking rad place. And, you know, kind of speaking to you and how special it is for you to see music, you know, another thing that you're, really into is definitely traveling out for some music festivals and stuff mm-hmm. to which you bring copious amounts of craft beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we yeah, that, that's kind of changed a little bit just uh, based on getting a little bit older and uh, maybe not uh, camping as much at them uh, yeah. just because <laughs> physically, I mean, it's, the, the main one I go to is in Scranton. It's called the Peach Music Festival. It's largely like a jam band fest. And you basically camp on a ski slope. It's a physical grind to to camp there. It really is. And I'm old, man. <laughs> I, I can't handle that. Um, so I'm not like, as old and I wouldn't want to do that. So my, my brother and I, we go and we've gone every year but one of them since 2012. Last year and this year, we've elected to uh, hotel it. It's just more comfortable for us. It's easier. We'll still bring some beers with us. We'll hit up. There's some local breweries in the area. We'll we'll hit those up. You know, any way we can support the local the local businesses, that's what we'll do. We'll hit up local restaurants when we can. I know my brother loves himself some Waffle House, but you know, <laughs> we'll we'll also hit up some uh, local places as well. I've yet to try the beauty that is Waffle House. You haven't ever had Waffle House? No, and we drove by a Waffle House. We've driven by quite a few Waffle House. I think we drove by some Waffle House I uh, <laughs> when we were in uh, Texas. 
um, which we didn't go to. And I think we drove by a couple when I was out in Arizona a few years ago with Sarah uh, for the holidays. But no, I have not been there. Uh, I have a horrible intolerance to eggs. And obviously it's, you know, Waffle House is a breakfast place. Eggs play a very important role in that. Uh, So don't know. And I'm sure because it's Waffle House, it would be double worse as to what it would do to my stomach. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) What eldritch horrors would crawl out of my anus. But um, no, I have not tried that yet. But I have been to a few music. We actually went to a music festival together. We went to the uh, what was it? The Carolina Rebellion, which uh, which was a, as I like to refer to it as a monster energy drink uh, music festival. It was a lot of pretty big metal bands, a lot of like new metal, metal core, uh, some, and then just some like strange additions, like Cheap Trick. There was definitely like some hard rock involved. Yeah, yeah. Some pretty corny hard rock too. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, so, you're going just straight right, right at me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, Godsmack? <laughs> no, no, I was going to say one of my biggest, what, uh, uh, an artist that I'm uh, a huge fan of it was right. I'm oh well, I, look, listen. I mean, when I think of corny, I, I wasn't, I was actually. I mean, a not lot of thinking, people are going to think, yeah, that. Yeah, I was actually not corny. thinking this just because I have so much joy of the memory of this that it kind of surpasses like how goofy it is i mean sammy hagar <laughs> is pretty damn corny in, in <laughs> oh yeah dude he's a fucking nut. i mean he does a lot of songs about love I, um, oh i know <laughs> but man do do i love me some sammy hagar he's got a great voice uh he's a lot of fun despite dylan not wanting to have any fun seeing sammy hagar he's a lot of fun <laughs> He has a rad band. I'll say that much. He had a pretty rad band. He does, man. He has Jason Bonham on drums. That's all you fucking need. His guitar player too. I don't remember who he was, but he was awesome too. Oh shit. He's got, um, he's got uh, a guy named Vic Johnson. Uh, yeah, I think that was him. Oh, it definitely was. He's been, he's been uh Sammy's guitarist for like 25 years now. <laughs> um, I mean, I have video evidence of it, but like when he w- was playing uh, Moss Tequila, I mean, come on. Like I cannot, there's no way that memory could even be eroded from my memory because Yeah, but I, you wouldn't even like, I mean, you wouldn't even sing along with the song, man. It's just, he does these songs that are just like fun. Just, you just got to get into a groove and just have fun, man. And you're just sitting there. I'll just take video of Mike having a great time. I don't, dude, I don't remember what state of being I was in at the time. Clearly I wasn't enjoying it because in my brain, I'm like, this must've been so much fun. (laughs) Oh God, man. It was even, even with it being like a festival set, like what, like 80, 90 minutes. Yeah. It was, it was probably my favorite 80 to 90 minutes of that entire fucking weekend. Yeah. That, that was a mishmash of bizarre strange i mean those festivals i'm glad they're kind of like i mean they do seem to be like still exist they're just like rebranded as like a certain yeah. like you know like uh, i don't know there's like a well, you said like monster energy drink or whatever like yeah corporate sponsor wants to put their name on it that's who's sponsoring it this year like i saw i saw an announcement for one like in uh i think 
It was somewhere in Kentucky, like I think Louisville, Kentucky, or something. I just yeah, saw like Louisville it. Rock or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's whatever whatever company wants to put their name on it, they'll sponsor. I had a great time at the thing. Don't get me wrong. I was kind of thankful, like we'd stick around for like a couple of songs and like some of the headlining bands, and then the other people we were with were like, "Yeah, let's get out of here." I'm like, "All right, I'm fine with that. I'm tired anyway. We've been there the entire fucking day. I'm like, I'm good." Yeah, I mean, I think we we skipped out like on Slipknot, like maybe a, like what two three songs in. Oh, we were also like a mile away. Like this thing was at like a, a racetrack. Uh, that area. was okay though. I didn't have a problem with that because we had that those we bought those VIP tickets and we had that yeah. whole lounge thing to ourselves. Yeah, that, those, was that was great. Good. That I've was actually, awesome. I've got VIP tickets to a festival coming up in May, the Maryland Death Fest. And I'm sure I'll talk about this in the regular podcast at some point. But, you know, as what is to happen at this, you know, time, you know, people are coming and going. They're dropping off for, you know, a fucking variety of reasons, whatever it is. They're anti-vax. They're, you know, they're having trouble just like keeping their bands together, whatever it is, you know, they can't get into the country from, cause they're international. So they've been changing a lot of stuff now so far, knock on wood, all the bands that have had to drop off largely hasn't affected my interest. It's um, like, there's enough heavy hitters that I'm like, this is good for me. And as it's kind of been like whittled down and I've looked at the schedule, I only, I, I'm, I've got VIP tickets and I'm basically camped out at a main stage for the bulk of the weekend. I don't have to go anywhere, which is great. Because it is in Baltimore, and I've heard it's, you know, a little bit sketchy. You know, we'll see how it goes. But that's good that I just have, don't, can just kind of, like, chill with my fucking, like, concert print and two free beers. And then start paying, like, $22 for, like, a 16-ounce beer. But, yeah, hopefully that'll just be, like, a nice kind of convenient experience where it's, like, I can kind of just chill here uh, and hang out and have a good view of the bands. But I have been to a few other fests at this point. You know, obviously we've been to Dark Lord Day, which is a heavy metal craft beer fucking extravaganza. Uh, the first year we went, I got fucking incredibly drunk, like aggressively drunk. Um, don't remember most of what happened, but you certainly do. <laughs> Some really questionable things I did that day. I didn't really engage with the music aspect of that festival until I went back to it i was i skipped it one year and then uh i got i was like oh i was like way more into a lot of the bands that were playing that and i wanted to check them out quite a few of them including uh nuclear assault of which uh danny loker also works at record archive in your hometown yeah yeah he, he's helped me out a, a bunch uh over the years at the store it's funny you say that though because i remember i think that year like when you, you you actually stuck around at the festival and we all went back to the hotel. Yeah, I did. And uh, I was like fucking having like horrible diarrhea <laughs> like the whole day. It was terrible. Like in a porto? Or in yeah. Porto? Oh. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was. That's awful. never a good thing, man. No, it was terrible. The only I mean, perk, the only perk of it was that it started downpouring and I just like sat in the porta potty for most of the rain, which was okay. And like shit your brains out while the rain was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So there was, it was downpouring on two levels. Uh, wow. <laughs> but Ugh. yeah, I, I did stick around for uh, the bands later on in the day. I got to see this band uh, Minsk. They were really good. They did one song because they were like, well, we really wanted to play, but we don't have any time. We have to keep it on schedule. So they did one song and that was rad. 
Uh, I saw Nuclear Assault, Sacred Reich, and, uh, you know, personal favorite of mine, High on Fire. But I had to vacate that set uh, because I had to catch the bus back. But from what I understand, they actually pulled the, the plug on them before mm-hmm. their set was over. <laughs> so I don't know if High on Fire is ever going to play that festival again. Well, I could imagine. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a curfew because, I mean, yeah. they, they're not, like, exactly, like, where they have this festival. I mean, it's a beer event with music, basically is it's in the middle of like this town it's not like it's at like a music venue or anything like that it's it's not even on the outskirts of a town where no no there's gotta be i know there's houses like around that area and they probably have noise ordinances that like those bands would just fucking decimate oh yeah it's like some of the bands that have played there are just insanely loud like and they're bands that i've seen full sets of at St. Vitus. Like it's ridiculous. Um, That's funny. You had me on this podcast. I remember, I think I was walking around with you one of the years and we stopped at the music tent and I was listening for maybe about 30 seconds. And I was like, I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe it was with brother Sean. I don't know which, but I I remember we, I just kind of stopped and went, okay, I think I'm good with this. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm not really digging goat horror right now. <laughs> but I mean, I've been to Psycho Las Vegas and, you know, that's a huge music festival, but obviously it's in Vegas. You have all the, you know, accommodations of a hotel with a nice fucking bed and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, I've been to a couple in New York, um, which have been fun, but definitely nothing as like uh in like i've never been to coachella i've never been to any of those big festivals which has like the camping aspect to it but like yeah. i don't know that, that stuff is like just never been appealing to me really and it just i gotta like a say i gotta say a nice bed makes late night jams all that much more palatable <laughs> like when you can go back to a hotel and sleep sleep it off for you know seven or eight hours yeah. After the jam ends at two, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning, it makes those late nights feel all that much better. Cause like you're like, okay, I can I think I can hang with this and then go back and sleep for, you know, several hours until you get up the next day and have to do it all over again, starting at, you know, like, you know, noon or one o'clock, you know. <laughs> it's always like I feel like the the mantra for a lot of these festivals, like regardless of what it is, you know, I remember even when I was a kid and we were going to like pop punk fests and those were like, you know, it's Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. And a lot of the a lot of these festivals now have gone from uh, like a Thursday or from like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to like a Thursday to Sunday event. And usually the Thursday is like a warm up day. You get like kind of a, a smaller bill in the evening and then. I, I feel like almost everybody's festival journey usually tracks the same way. If there's a Thursday event, you might go, you probably have a good time, meet some cool people. You know, you, you call it a day Friday rolls in, you're fucking on, you're lit, you're excited. You're great. You're happy to be there. You want to check out the bands. There's some fucking heavy hitters. You're like, yeah, you go out it. you party all day, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day. You're like, I feel kind of shitty, but it's Saturday and I got to feel fucking good and everything. And then you go really hard, but, but you did wake up a little bit later. Cause you were like, ah, I need to sleep a little bit. And then Sunday you're waking up a little bit, even later. Like, I don't really need to go to this because you've been going pretty fucking hard. 
And then the second win comes inevitably on Sunday. And somehow you're able to power through into like one o'clock, two in the morning. And you're like, oh man, I got a flight to catch in about five minutes. What What's funny is, is like, yeah, like you say, like the Thursday thing. Initially, when we were going to the one in Scranton that we go to, it was the first year was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Sunday ended early. Like it ended by like, four o'clock or something like that right oh wow yeah and then they added thursday on but thursday was like the warm-up day right yeah and and then all of a sudden thursday expanded where the bands would start at like you know four o'clock in the afternoon and then it would go on till like midnight or one o'clock in the morning somewhere around there and then it expanded and the bands would start at two o'clock on thursday and they would go till two in the morning and then it expanded and they would start at noon on Thursday. And it basically just became a full day on Thursday. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they expanded and now I'm seeing ones where Thursday's just a full day and Wednesday's the warm up day. So I'm, I'm projecting like where like it's just going to end up being like where they just do a whole week. Because that's where it's going to end up being. <laughs> it's, fucked, it's fucked up, man. It's just like, you know, like, you'll just go when, Monday to Sunday eventually. I know, but like, when is, like... <sighs> man, like, I used to go to CMJ uh, a lot in the city here, which was a, a music festival, and it was mostly about, like, college radio. It was College mm-hmm. Music Journal, and it had yeah. to do with college radios. And I went to that. And that was CMJ Week. But CMJ week went from, you know, Tuesday to Sunday, but Tuesday to, to Wednesday was a lot of like panels and like informational things and stuff that you right. would go to during the week. And like, not necessarily everybody's going to go to it, whether you're on the college radio, you're in the industry, blah, blah, blah. And then you have stuff in the evenings and it was all kinds of shit. It was all over the city and it, they coordinated and marketed it. It catered to everybody's schedule. You like heavy metal? Here's an entire fucking heavy metal. Here's all the list the heavy metal bands. Well, you don't like metalcore? Here's all the bands that aren't doing metalcore. You don't like stoner metal? Here's all the ones that are doing this. You want to go see indie rock? You can go see this. You want to go see Jay Mascus? You want to go see fucking whoever? I went to go see Gary fucking Newman. It was awesome. Like <laughs> that was so rad. And I went to I went to a metal thing the next night, and someone was like, "Oh, what'd you do last night?" I'm like I went to see Gary Newman. He's like, "You would see like." gary newman like the guy who did cars i was like yeah he's like it's kind of weird and i was like are you fucking kidding me that dude's like a legend like i couldn't believe that that dude was so brazen to poo poo gary newman gary do you mean randy newman no gary newman oh like cars gary newman you know that song and cars you don't know that song i don't know if i know it now I was thinking Randy Newman for some reason. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Randy fucking Newman. I think you said you said cars. I was like, wait, like like the uh cartoon? You mean like the guy who did like girlfriend and me? <laughs> like the fucking Toy Story guy? <laughs> you got a oh friend in me. <laughs> no, oh I my God, God, you just came up with like the wrong first name and I'm like <laughs> 
I was like, oh god, Randy Newman headlining Psycho Las Vegas. You know what? This is probably our first. Randy Newman has never come up on the Diary of Doom. I I don't know. I feel like maybe we made a crack about him uh, at some uh, point. Oh man, I he's fucking annoying as hell. <laughs> That's my Randy impersonation. Uh, anyway, but I I dig a good music fest, and I know that you've got this one coming up. They finally, I know that you've got the Peach Fest coming up, and I know right. that. Something that I also like can kind of relate to is uh, them holding on to their lineup releases. I know that's something that Peach, like they just were like sitting on their lineup for a long time. And one of the, you know, when it finally came out, one of the uh, bands that was announced, I don't know, maybe if it was announced like prior to just to like elicit some excitement for it was the Black Crows. And uh, a band that I, miraculously but not like miraculously i think i think it kind of makes sense that i've uh, been able to hip you to that i listen to is the band earthless and uh one of the the dna strands that connects uh our musical tastes is that izzy izzy uh the fuck is his last name uh Uh, isaiah mitchell Mitchell. isaiah isaiah itchy itchy (laughs) (laughs) isaiah izzy mitchell um, is also a, a supporting guitar player for the Black Crows, which is a band that I was like kind of into in high school, but not really outside of one album, probably. Uh, which I'm sure you can guess. I don't even know which one it is. It's the, whatever album that has the song Remedy on. Oh, um, Ooh, you gotta give me some of that remedy. Oh, God, I was hoping that you were gonna do it, but. <laughs> I, I was I was just hoping I was sitting here for the last minute going man tell me he's gonna do a black chrome imitation, but I, I want to go back for a second. Can I go back? Can yeah, I, yeah, totally. So so like you were talking about like the festival announcement, right? And I I love I love this uh, aspect of this because it happens every year, and you, you could probably relate to this, right? So you get you get all these you get all these mouth breathers that are like. <laughs> When's the lineup coming out? Jesus <laughs> Christ, they, they announced it last year. It was in December. Where's the fucking lineup? It hasn't come out yet. Why haven't they released it yet? Finally, they released the they released the uh, lineup, right? Five minutes. This lineup fucking sucks. Why? <laughs> this, this is so different from last year. Why why couldn't they have more of the bands that, the same bands that played last year on it? Yeah, I know I complained about the lineup last year at this time, but Jesus Christ, I wish it was be- the like it was last year. God, this festival is so much better six years ago. That's hey, not- and, and week of hey, is anybody selling their four-day pass? <laughs> yeah. That that's festival lineups in a nutshell for you. Yep. I mean, yep. I can relate. <laughs> I've definitely seen the festival. Yeah, actually, I'll say that right now is that the the, another festival that's also happening in May is Desert Fest New York, which is sort of which I guess at this point is like the East Coast answer to what Psycho Las Vegas was at one point. Desert Fest has also been going on for like ten fucking years in Europe, and they had their first one in New York in 2019, and then you know it got bumped back two years, obviously because of the pandemic, and that's coming up 
And, you know, they put out their final uh, lineup announcements. And, you know, I'm stoked. It's a lot of bands that have probably played the, the festival before over, you know, overseas. But it's cool to see all these bands on the lineup. And I'm fucking excited. And it's like just, you know, a 30-minute car ride for me. So I'm I'm amped for it. But you got all these people that are just like, how come Desert Fest isn't being held in the desert? And it's like, uh, are you fucking serious, bro? Like, do you think Berlin is in the fucking desert? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was about to say. Meanwhile, you just got people going. Where's the sand? Where's the camels? Where's the desert? I don't know why I gotta hold my uh, hands over my mouth when I do that, but it just seems like <laughs> the mouth breathing I feel is like it, it, it's a thing, right? I yeah, or just keyboard warriors, whatever you want to call it, just like pissed off people. Well, I mean, mouth could... breathers. Yeah, they just got nothing better to do than waste waste your time, you know. Get, meanwhile, you have everybody who's like just fucking amped to go there. And I know that any for anybody that's complaining, like, oh, why is this in the desert? Half of them are buying tickets and going to it anyway, and the rest of us don't give a shit because we're just gonna be there and having a good time. I'd be like, wait, I thought this was dessert fest. Where's the cake? You know what? I really should have commented that and been like, wait a minute, where's the cake? <laughs> oh, so, but to answer but yeah, your question, yeah, uh, the second back. album of the Black Crows had Remedy on it, the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Okay. All right. That's good to uh, know. Which, by the way, you would probably hear that song at Peach Fest, but they're also like, they're touring and they toured last year and this year. They're doing the full, it's going to make me really feel old. Uh, and they intended to do this in 2020, the 30th anniversary uh, celebration of their debut album, Shake Your Moneymaker. Uh, so they're, so they're that, playing like, that in through. its entirety. Yeah, I mean, I know that's definitely a thing that people like to see bands do, especially oh, yeah. at some of the more curated festivals, particularly for heavy metal, for sure. It's like, a, like oh, play this, you know, because... Most of the time, bands are like, we want to play the new stuff to keep people interested, and we'll break out some, you know, of the classics. But I think people, you know, it kind of is like, would you do this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, they're down with it. It's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, as I was uh, alluding to before, uh, Izzy Mitchell is a touring guitar player for the Black Crows. Uh, I remember, like, finding that out, and I mentioned that to you, and I was like, Mike, you should check this band out. I think you would like them. You know, it's not a lot. It doesn't sound like the other, you know, they're not really even like a metal band, really, you know, but it doesn't sound like a lot of the other stuff that I listen to. And Well, uh, it goes back further than that, though. Yeah. You, you actually sent me uh, and uh, co-host Jim of our other podcast, you sent us like a Spotify playlist. Like, Oh, know, yeah, I did do that. Maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. and I was sitting at home, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this on, and I, I listened to it. I think maybe we had, like, intended to record an episode of Diary of Doom with you guys, and then it just never happened. Maybe. And that, that doesn't shock me, because, I mean, well, Jim being Jim. The thing about it is, and, it, and I think then you ultimately also sent me uh, a copy of one of their albums, is uh, this band really stood out to me in all of the bands that you had put on this thing. And I mean, there was, I don't even know how many songs were on this thing. Probably like 20, 25. Yeah, I was going to say 15 to 20, somewhere in that range. 
but they really jumped out at me and I just went, man, these guys, these guys are like very cross genre. Like they, they hit on a lot of different things that I was, what, like I was hearing it and I was just going, man, there, there, there's so much stuff going on here. So many things happening that I was really kind of enthralled by them and kind of took like a bit of a deeper dive into them uh, after that. Yeah. Like I had kind of known about them. Uh, I actually found out about them from uh, someone I, I, I made friends with at a concert. I went to go see this band Royal Thunder and I just started talking to this dude, Jeff. Turns out he lived like in the town uh, next over from me, gave me a lift back. You know, we were, he's like, oh, are you going to any? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to this Earthless show. He's like, oh, I love Earthless. And so we rode in uh, to the city to go see them together. And like, I like kind of had listened to them sort of like peripherally. Like I put them on, I was like, oh yeah, I dig this band. I'll probably, I should go see them. And they were fucking incredible when I saw them. Uh, I'll kind of get, I guess, into it a little bit more. And I really like got really hooked in that. And that was really when I was sinking my teeth more into stoner metal and doom metal and whatnot. Which is funny I say that because I keep saying uh, that they're really not that kind of, like they are that kind of a band, but they're just, that's not ever how they like viewed themselves when they put their, when they put the band together. Uh, they're not potheads. They're not like drug addicts. You know, they're uh, pretty active musicians in other projects. Uh, you know, obviously Izzy's in the Black Crows. Uh, the drummer, Mario Rubicaba, he's in Rocket from the Crypt and like Off, which is a, a punk like super group with Keith Morris, who did vocals for Black Flag. Uh, and uh, I don't really know what their bass player, Mike Eggington, does. I think he's a tattoo, like a tattoo artist or something. I really don't know. Like there's not, they don't dive that much into their like, you know, personal lives. And I don't, and, and that's fine. Getting back into them again, they're such a fucking rad band. And I think the thing that also helped was they they have like a section in this documentary, Such Hawks, Such Hounds, where you find out about them and they start talking about these bands that I've never even fucking heard of. And I'm like, you know, like Sir Lord Baltimore and like these sort of like lost hard rock bands from the seventies that they just never really succeeded. You know, they kind of put out a few records and then they sort of like faded into obscurity and sort of with the boon of the internet and uh, you know, word of mouth, people found out about them and sort of birthed this entire new subgenre of artists. But that's not to say that that's their, their only influences because uh, you know, earthless is very much in as much as it is, you know, owes its allegiance to stuff like those kinds of bands. It also, they're not really a jam band because I think I read in an interview that uh, the drummer Mario said they're not a jam band in as much as they are more of an improvis improvisational band because jamming is kind of loose and it can be kind of sloppy and it's sort of like a more deadhead approach to things. Whereas they try to really like hone in on, oh, you're doing this. I got to do this because they want it to sound good. You know, and that's one strength of the band is that when they play and it's not like their songs are short, they play really fucking long, complicated songs. They keep it very, very, very interesting. And there's no vocals. And I like that there's no vocals. I think it just kind of lifts that restraint that you might find yourself under. And they it's just like pure musical. Obviously, there's some songs, they do some covers and we'll kind of get into how that plays. But 
for me, like they're a consistently like pretty amazing band. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I mean, because I, I feel like they draw on a lot of different um, a lot of different genres. And you you mentioned the stuff from like the 70s. And I, I think it's clear that there's definitely like a, um, a an homage or like a reverence for uh, some of the psychedelic mm-hmm. uh, bands of that era uh, in a lot of their imagery and a lot of stuff that you see like in their presentations for their shows and whatnot. So like, if you, if you do scope them out on YouTube, you'll see a lot of that. And yeah. it really does. I, I, I'm sure they probably do the same at, the, at their actual live shows and you probably can corroborate that. You, you definitely see that influence. I would say actually from a jam perspective, they do kind of fall into where uh there, there's like this sub genre of jam that i call like and i've i've seen some other people refer to it as uh jam groove where they they kind of hit into like they, they get into this like pocket and mm-hmm. they kind of kind of get into that pocket with the drums and the bass and then they kind of work from that pocket into like and they kind of explore from that pocket into other regions and but they always kind of are in that pocket but then they kind of go out and they kind of they go off in this direction and then go off in another direction but they're always back and they bring it back and then they kind of go back out and it's really kind of neat it's kind of interesting to hear um i hear a lot of other bands that do that sort of thing it might be a little bit lighter and not as heavy but it's very similar in that regard to some of other bands that I'm really into. So that's kind of what I, I felt like kind of drew me into their sound was that they, they were kind of familiar, but also different at the same time. Yeah. And it, you know, comes from that. They all have clearly different kind of backgrounds where like Mario is a punk rock drummer you know he's got Mm -hmm. a bit more of a short uh like i feel like his drumming it's not like uh it's not like you listen to black sabbath and it's like you know i I definitely feel like he has a very like fast pace but he has to make up for a lot of room and space to keep the the back end going and i think the guy i think you know there's some crap definitely some kraut rock influences in there too because again, the bass isn't like super distorted, fuzzy. It's like a very hypnotic, very like continuous trance. It's not like fucking weird and strange and jazzy. Like they throw it in there, but they do a lot of work because I feel like Izzy does a ton of fucking like leg lifting in this. Like just the guitar work is so complex and like manic, but at the same time, it's like controlled chaos and. I come from starting out my metal interests with like being a pretty into like prog metal. And I think it just got to the point where that stuff to me felt like it was just note salad and it wasn't very interesting. It was just like somebody had their guitar tuned so tightly and it was just like, it just sounded like you were inputting data to a computer to create a guitar thing. There's more life in his guitar work. And, and you can tell, like, when I saw him live, that dude was fucking coated in sweat probably within, like, five minutes. They played a 30-minute song. <laughs> it just yeah. didn't stop. Just did not stop. 
it, it's funny though, like when you, you you say that, but man, you don't even realize it's thirty minutes. It goes by pretty quick. It flows, and that's the thing that that that's kind of like the true testament of it is, is like I, I mean I see a lot of bands that do stuff like that, and but then you look and you're like and you realize like if if, if you're listening to it like on a streaming platform or what have you and you go oh my god that was really like 28 minutes long it didn't feel like that because they got into such you yourself your ears you get into that groove and you're just listening to it and you're just kind of you know it feeling it and and you just realize that you get into that groove yourself and it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty remarkable so there, there are there are a few bands that i feel like in the jam scene that kind of do something similar but it might not be as heavy like there's bands that i'm really into like dopapod and and spafford and um aqueous is one from uh buffalo that i i mean all of those bands i've heard them and they just they will jam out for like 20 25 minutes 30 minutes and it kind of reminds me in a way of what um earthless does because they kind of get into that groove uh groove jam and it just you kind of get that feeling uh of where you're just kind of get immersed into what they're doing uh sonically yeah it, it's kind of it's kind of cool like and they do a great job at it i mean uh earthless included in that they all those bands are i mean if if you want some bands that maybe uh uh that that from where I come from that do that, like musically, those are the bands I would suggest as far as like a very similar sound uh, from the jam world. Yeah. And there's countless bands that have come after earthless that definitely ape their sound a lot. You can just kind of tell, but maybe that's a good way to just sort of, to, to segue into their albums, which I think we could probably get through. I mean, we touched on a lot of the notes specifically about their sound so we'll probably like get through this but you know so i started by you know with the beginning with sonic prayers the 20 it came out in 2005 but i listened to the 2022 remaster my first question though is where were you in 2005 and was something like this even remotely on your radar because i was in high school and for me big the big thing back then was nine inch nails their comeback with with teeth so to imagine a band that debuted with two 20 minute long songs at that time is like, it's inconceivable. And then, you know, I found out about sleep. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like the first 10 years of the two thousands was pretty bleak musically to the point where that like mid two thousands is when I started getting into kind of like some of the, uh, the blues jam scene, like the, the Almond Brothers of the world and mm-hmm. um, some of the subsidiary bands uh, that uh, came out of the Almond Brothers, like Derek Trucks Band and Government Mule. Which, when I first heard Earthless, I thought Early Mule because well, because Mule started <laughs> Mule started say. out as a trio mm. with a really kind of groove bass feel. There are some things that kind of felt familiar when I first started uh, hearing Earthless. Not saying that they were copying anything for Mule, but that it was kind of like, man, I I like where this band is going because it kind of reminded me of early Mule. Well, frequent collaborator on this show, August West, is also a big Mule fan. So 
he loves all that shit. I mean, I think he went down to when they did their Sabbath show in Atlanta or something like that. And and no, I wasn't ago. trying to play to August. I was <laughs> being curious. Our, our one subscriber. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe to uh, the the Diary of Doom Patreon. If they're listening to this, they're subscribed. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Give this guy some love. <laughs> Give me some money. <laughs> um, well, that's what I meant by love. Uh, yeah. Um, but so like so this album was coming out around that time in the early 2000s and it was a bleak time probably for heavy metal you know I mean new metal was like huge um, but the underground metal scene was really starting to brew the bands that are pretty big now that were big back then you know it's been about 20 years since they started it you know that was kind of where they were cutting their teeth so I think it kind of makes sense for a band like Earthless to get lumped in with bands like High on Fire or Weed Eater, who were already on their third or so albums by then, you know, and it's just because those bands had some similar appreciate had some appreciation for similar influences as the guys in Earthless did. They just didn't play as fucking heavy and sludgy or drunk or fucked up. So they really like also bucked the trend of including vocals and it gives them kind of a unique experience for fans of the music. So I don't know if it's where they expected to land, but I can tell you that they're probably pretty happy because they have like a really dedicated, and at this point, you know, considering yourself a growing fan base from it. Furthermore, Lost in the Cold Sun is such a fucking heavy and rad song. And I think it's about as close to like Doom or Stoner Metal that they would do until more recently. Um, so what did you think of this album? I only got introduced to it from the reissue. I've given the album maybe like one or two listens, but it's weird because like, I I, I mean, any of the stuff that they reissued, I kind of listened to all like right in a row. I, to discern from like, one to another is kind of difficult for me from one one album to the next for, well for case in point for the first really the first three <laughs> yeah i mean so it was good i mean i enjoyed i've enjoyed all of it but um you you can definitely see the growth from one to the next yeah definitely and i feel like well, actually, like I, I feel that way about the about the third one, but I'll get there. So, like their second album, "Rhythms from a Cosmic Sky," again, 2022 remaster, came out in 2007. I felt like they switched things up a little bit, like from their original release. It definitely has a little bit of a hard rock kick to it. I, I think the other, really, the thing about them is just you talked about it before how like uh, Government Mule started out as, as a trio, and I think mm -hmm. that this band. If they added another member, it would just throw everything off. It, they're like such a fucking tight power trio. And, yeah. Well, yeah. and you know, Mule ultimately did add on another another band member, but it really wouldn't fit with what this band is doing. Right. Mule added on a keyboard player. Yeah, they were, yes, they were looking to probably expand their sound and adjust accordingly. More for like um, songwriting, yes. As opposed to, and I'm not saying what this band. I'm not trying to diminish what this band does as far as songwriting goes, but more for like actual like crafted like, uh, uh, vocal songs. Like you know, like 
you know, that might be four to six minutes long as opposed to like a 30 minute opus, which mm-hmm. they didn't really need a keyboard player for. Right. Exactly. And they have such a full sound already with three people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just jump to the next album and then I'll backtrack a little bit. Cause I think that if someone were to ask where to start with earthless, I would say start with from the ages. Cause I think that album like just defines their sound perfectly uh, specifically. And I think that I included this song in the playlist was Uluru rock. I think that song pretty much is like, if it's not the definitive song, it's one of their definitive songs. Not that they're like, song library is like gigantic because they do such long songs on on such a you know kind of short like collection of of records but i think you could put that song on for any devotee of hard rock or jam bands like yourself heavy metal Mm -hmm. prog rock and they'd be like fuck yeah this is awesome you know like i guarantee you you could run into a bunch of old fucking books out there who love the black crows but one of them is always gonna be like oh but izzy's original band earthless is awesome you gotta check them out man Yep. And there were some people like uh, on like a Facebook page I belong to that mentioned like when the Crows got announced for the festival that, oh, hopefully Earthless is a band that gets added just because of, they knew they knew that acumen of of him and the rest of this band and how good it would really be. But you, you mentioned that song. Uh, you heard uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher you heard rock. <laughs> Uluru. Uluru. Oh, ooh, her. <laughs> her, her. Yeah, yeah. This is well, Swedish chef. You mentioned rock. that. Well, some of the first things I uh, listened to and watched after the initial introduction that you gave us to this band was like some uh, shows that they were doing. I think some streaming shows uh, online that were like on YouTube, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that was one of the songs that they did. And it that blew me away even more so. Uh, it was it was pretty remarkable to like just hear and go, oh my, yeah, these guys are definitely kind of in a um, genre that I can enjoy, um, mm-hmm. or like a, a vein that I can enjoy of of the genre that they're in. Like it definitely it was speaking to me as far as what they were doing. Now they have quite a few. Um live albums out but i think they have this one is just it's just fucking wild how this happened they played at the two in the 2008 edition of the roadburn festival in tilburg netherlands uh it was the 13th show overall festival um this is a festival i've been wanting to go to for a few years now and obviously you know the world is preventing me from doing so and they were originally only scheduled to play to 250 people in the smallest room of the event as the main act uh but then they were invited at the last minute to perform as the last act on the main stage to 2000 people because the scheduled band isis had only performed half of their two-hour slot um side note isis also had to change the name their band name or i think called it quits uh because of uh, associations with the terrorist group i was gonna say what they do get like arrested or something <laughs> no um they, they were in the capital i mean <laughs> no they were i believe they took their name from you know egyptian mythology or whatever that's from and uh yeah you know just it was an unfortunate coincidence. Let's put it that way. Um, so uh, Earthless wound up, you know, taking over for the remainder of time, and they performed for about an hour and a half 
and were not even aware that the performance had been recorded. But then I guess the festival runners sent it over to TP Records and uh, they requested to release an album based on their performance. Uh, they liked the recordings a lot and Arthur's was down with it. And they wound up releasing a live Roadburn album, which is fucking amazing. I can only imagine like what a fucking honor it would have been to be a fan of that band or even a newcomer to that band and to find out that they were just going to ha- be playing this completely oh they they weren't prepared to do this we're going to be playing this special set for you and now it's being recorded like what a fucking cool thing it would have been to be there for that event like that is so fucking rad to me uh, humorously too the drummer mario noted that it's the most honest representation of earthless that you're gonna get on record and said that if listeners did not like the album they would not like to see the band perform live <laughs> which like you know yeah. what Hats off to him if he's just like, this is what it is. And if you don't like that, just do not fucking show up. <laughs> That's an endorsement of sorts. But all that being said, I think that they're, you know, they've remained pretty consistently great, you know, since then. That that probably really helped put them on the map. I'm kind of interested in what you thought of some of the of the last three albums, because one of them is just two songs and it's like relatively short, but they're both like 13 minutes long or whatever which was Acid Crusher, Mount Swan. I thought that was a bit more bluesy and psychedelic than some of the other stuff. Oh, I haven't actually listened to that. Is that the one that they did where it was like another band on it or something? Or am I confused? I don't know. I don't believe so. I don't know. I think that one's pretty good too. My least favorite one is probably Black Heaven, which came out in 2018. And it's not that it's like bad, it's just that it has vocals and it kind of feels like maybe they were trying to get in with the current crop of the retro rock artists. I don't know. Okay. So yeah, I, I, am glad you brought that up because this album is far different than anything they, they did prior or after it is. So it's so weird. It feels like it's like a different band almost. Like you, you mentioned the vocals and everything, and I don't have an issue per se with with vocals, but it just it, it was very interesting, like that they went like in a totally different direction than like what they had previously released, and then what they've released since. And this was actually you sent this to me as I like did. a Christmas gift. I wish I sent you a different uh, one. <laughs> I think that maybe that was the only one available. Well, it was. It was. It was the only you. You had said that afterwards that that you had. I think you had hoped to do from the ages. It's funny though because like I was like oh that had when I listened to that I went that it kind of almost cemented even more like my thought of Government Mule because of the vocals and everything. I was like oh man they're kind of going down that path. But it's not bad. It's just, it's incredibly different. I don't know. It, I just, it, it and and also it, uh, just a little bit of context from my work. It was a really big for doom and stone and sludge and that kind of subgenre. Kind of, it like kind of, it really hit a peak. Like everybody was firing on all cylinders and it got kind of buried by a lot of these other big bands like Yob and Sleep and Wind Hand and High on Fire. I don't know. It kind of, it, it definitely didn't stand out against a lot of the other stuff that was coming out at the time. 
which I feel kind of glad that when they said there was a new one coming out and that it came out pretty early this year, I thought the new album, Night Parade of 100 Demons, was fucking awesome. I mean, I really felt like they got back to their roots, like their heavy roots, but they kept pushing the band in a different direction. There's no vocals. It's got like a very, like the first track has a very airy David Gilmore approach with synth and light drums that garnish the guitar work. And then it gets heavy as hell. There's a lot of Sabbath in it. It's really good. Like I felt like they abandoned like the heavy riff thing pretty quickly in terms of more like loose psychedelia and stuff like that. And I felt like this was like a nice coalesce of all of those sounds and getting back to them. I also like that they switched up their artwork. It looked, you know, they, they went with this more like Japanese Asian folklore vibe that the bass player drew that. Like he spent a very long time drawing that whole piece. I don't think it, I think, uh, I don't think he, in an interview, I believe he said, I don't think I got a hundred demons in there but there's quite a few of them in there and it's really, really fucking cool bit of work that he did. So I really like this album. Uh, yeah, this one was, this one was pretty good. I like kind of like how it opened and then it kind of just like, it, 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 it kind of opens a little bit slow and then it just all of a sudden it kind of just shifts into that groove and yeah. like the rest of the album, you're just, they're kind of just dialed into that groove and it just, it fits, man. It, it, it really does work uh, well for them. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a great a great return for them. But yeah, I mean, is this, this is a, I'm assuming this is a band that if you had the opportunity to see, you probably would not miss, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, the, the, the hope is, is that with uh, Isaiah Mitchell playing with the Crows, that one of the uh, under, other announcements that come for Peach Fest is that he actually uh, he brings uh, the rest of Earthless with him, and they they play a set um, at some point during that festival. So there, there there's hopes that that might still happen because there's more bands to be announced, which I'm sure uh, some of those mouth breathers will uh, complain about. <laughs> uh, well, I I hope that I, they come back to New York because uh, I had I missed them the last time they rolled through town. I was uh, on vacation for my birthday my month-long birthday <laughs> yes so i didn't get a chance to see them but seeing them at saint vitus was fucking awesome and actually their bass player was not with them at the time so they had this guy uh i don't remember his name but the guy that filled in for them was a dude who had played a lot with bob weir is it weir hmm. or wire weir well anyway yeah earthless rules and um can I put yes. one thing out to you? I don't know if you've seen this album or not. One of their other live albums called From the West. I haven't listened to it, but I've seen it. Like I've seen from, it on from, Spotify. From August West, maybe? <laughs> no, from, I don't believe so. From the West. My favorite thing about it is uh, up in the upper corner there. The radiation actually, symbol? No, the other corner. They actually uh, printed on a price sticker. <laughs> That's not like a price sticker from the store I got it at. That's literally <laughs> printed on the cover. Oh, is it really? Yes. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. I, and that's actually, I bought it off of Amazon. That's where, that's how much it cost. That's pretty fucking rad. 
But I think we'll we'll do a quick uh, to close out here. We'll do a quick round of finding Jesus with Skillet. And Mike, if you don't know anything about the band Skillet, that's okay. They're a really fucking corny Christian rock band who's uh, fr- who the front man, uh, John Cooper, is uh, kind of a fucking strange, weird dude. Um, and, you know, he writes songs about loving Jesus. So what I've been doing is finding Skillet songs, uh, looking at the lyrics, deciding that this these lyrics are pretty funny based on a very perfunctory glance. And I don't listen to the song and I don't expect that you've listened to them either. I don't, this is probably not a band that's been on your radar much of your life at, at any point in your life. Can't say that, uh, uh, that I'm familiar with them now. So uh, we're going to listen to the song and read the lyrics and we'll have a good laugh about it. And then we'll talk about it afterwards and see how we feel about, see if we find Jesus with this guy. I'm just going to make sure this is a, a good a good video here i'm gonna drop this in because i didn't say what the song was before the song is heaven in my veins by skillet oh my god is this really oh no this (laughs) this this can't be what this song actually sounds like oh no (laughs) hold on a second (laughs) hold on a second Oh my fucking god. <laughs> this is insane. I don't think you're actually going to believe that this is how this song begins. You're just going to be like, oh, this is like a an ad for it. But here we go. <laughs> That's the song. I feel like I'm in a video game. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, heaven. Your locally prescripted drug. Did like Kirk Cameron have anything to do with this? <laughs> Jesus. I feel like I need some hot cocoa. <laughs> what do you need? He needs it in his veins, yeah. Okay, so, I mean... <laughs> All right, we're going to, we'll pause for a second here. I, uh, man, I don't know if it's uh, like just if it plays that awfully like over like the app that we use or is the sound really that bad on the song? I I do believe that this is, I mean, I lowered the volume a little bit, but like I, so when this song started and it started with the like, let's be honest, video game sound effect, Mm -hmm. I thought it was just like an ad for this guy's channel. And I went to another video, but nope, this is how the song starts. Okay. And you know how how we were talking about how bleak early 2000s music was? This sounds <laughs> yeah. like one of those early 2000s music, like songs from like like new metal or whatnot. Well, this came, this came out... <laughs> <laughs> this came out on uh, August 28th, 2001. So like right there for you. Wow. 
All right, we, we have to finish this. <laughs> Why does the graphic look like a penis? <laughs> the graphic in this totally looks like a penis. Like a very red penis. Oh, my heart monitor's going crazy. Chugga 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 chug chugga 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 chug chug. Oh, yeah, I need it. Yeah, you need it. <laughs> I need the song to end. Well, that fucking sucked. <laughs> Man, the things you subject me to. <laughs> I am never going to get that yeah, five minutes it. back for my life. Yeah, I need it. Yeah, I need it. Did you like hear his the backup vocalist? So one of the other people in the band is his wife. Did you hear her like singing in the background of that song? She's like, it's very weird. Aren't you glad you didn't get it really into Christian rock, Mike? I don't know what I would have done. You would have found God. You wouldn't have had to do anything. Do you? I'm kind of glad. No, I don't. I'm good, thanks. I mean, I think if you're comparing your love of God with some kind of drug that sounds a lot like heroin, maybe you should like reevaluate your relationship with God because <laughs> it really just sounds like you want to get fucking high. Like, dude, just smoke a joint and don't worry about things. But yeah, another bad offering of music from skillet and once again just fucking repeating the chorus over and over and over again did you literally just have me on an episode of diary of doom to just play that for me was it was it all a means to just like fucking torture me with that for five minutes you're like your mood is so sour now <laughs> i mean can you blame me <laughs> no but come on man i need it what do you need, like, to just, like, make your guests suffer? I mean, what is wrong with you? You're only the second person that's done this. Oh, man. And where's the where's the first person? What what happened to them? Are they, oh, like, are uh, they, the like, in, like a, like, a rubber room at this point? <laughs> you sitting there shaking, like, in a super <laughs> I need it. I need it. I mean, what the fuck, dude? Oh, I mean, last I checked, I think she's okay. <laughs> you might want to check on her. You, you may oh, have, man, that's fucking hilarious. You, you may have done some irreparable damage to her. <laughs> I think I've done irreparable damage to you. Nah, I mean, that you did that a long time ago, I feel. <laughs> I mean, God, uh... how long have we known each other? Uh, long, we, we, uh, lo long enough that you're now ready to end the friendship. <laughs> I've got my fill of you, Dylan, but you've shown me skillet, and that's that's a step too far. <laughs> nah. <clears throat> well, no, we're we're not gonna ever probably go to a skillet show. We're probably not gonna go to Carolina Rebel Alliance and see them headline at the the Raceway Park stage or whatever it is. Um, that's a reference for some people out there. But uh, yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on and talking about Earthless. And uh, as always, 
it's a pleasure to do a podcast with you and it's a pleasure to do one uh that's not Jim's BBQ. You know, it's, it's cool to, to kind of, to cut loose and do things. Uh, not that we don't cut loose or farts uh, on Jim's BBQ at all, but you know, it's cool to do these things under, uh, under a different, a different light, so to speak. Oh yeah, man. I, I always have fun doing uh, different podcasts. I mean, honestly, actually, you know what, other than all the ones that I host, I think this is the first podcast I've ever been invited on. <laughs> I don't know what that says about you or myself. Other than like random ones that we did like while on trips, like with other people. Yeah. And I but... bet they were probably instantly regretting that after we finished. What are you, are you talking about? We were the best parts of that. We made those podcasts good. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they were probably regretting it. Probably. I know we were regretting it too. Uh, maybe a little, but um <laughs> No, man, this was a lot of fun. I I enjoy talking music. I know back maybe a year or two ago, we threatened to do, uh, with uh, your buddy August, we, we threatened to do a uh, an offshoot podcast called Diary of Jam. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know that it'll ever come to fruition. I got way too much other shit going on. <laughs> yeah, probably like... I think by the time that you launch a, you know, third or fourth side cast and you're not making any revenue from it, like, so, you know, unlike someone like Kevin Smith, it might be time to throw in the towel on those and just reroute the focus. I, I wouldn't necessarily say throw in the towel, but maybe just not add more to the plate. Exactly. Or just do an episode of Jim's BBQ about jam bands. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But not here. <laughs> this is about as close as... I mean, you know, a lot of this stuff is pretty fucking jammy. Like, I wouldn't say it's the same as, you know, going to see The Grateful Dead or Fish or something like that. Because all of these bands don't have the luxuries of being able to noodle for, you know, four hours. You know, they still play tight sets. They're still touring bands. They still got to be the next city the next day. They're not these, like, big entities, like uh fish or you know dead and company and shit like that where it's like a huge you know nationally touring act that it's inviting people from all walks of life it's a bit more niche still you know and like i'm sure that izzy this entire fucking episode i had to keep catching myself and not say izzy stradlin and i'm like that's the fucking dude from guns and roses it's like i never should have left gnr Izzy Stradlin now now headlining uh, Earthless, but yeah, I mean these the, yeah these bands are still they're a bit smaller they're still touring and and they just kind of operate under the different uh, rules that jam bands don't get to you know there's not going to be any fucking Andy Frasco bullshit going on here. What? <laughs> oh man, Andy Frasco man that could be a podcast unto itself. Actually, he does his own podcast. He's that does not surprise me at all. That fucking dude is crazy. I totally believe it. If you ever go see Andy Frasco, if you're listening to this and you ever go see Andy Frasco, bring some shrooms for him. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be his <laughs> new best friend. Um, but Mike, where can people find you if they're so inclined to do so? Oh my God. I mean, where do you start? I mean, obviously <laughs> you start at our main podcast, uh, Jim's BBQ Pod. That You can find that at facebook.com slash Jim's BBQ Pod. <laughs> Man, I had that like queued up, don't I? 
And then uh, if if you're into pro- professional wrestling, you can check my brother and I out. Uh, we're over at Wrestling World Order Podcast. Uh, we got a Facebook page. we got a website. You can get a, a, the podcast wherever you may get podcasts from. And then uh, my wife and I, we do like a, a snack food podcast, video podcast called Willing Snackrifice. Check that out, man. It's a lot of fun. If I've you're into uh, seeing uh, foods from all over the world, uh, we like to try them and snack on them. Uh, Dylan's been a guest on that one. He can attest to how much fun that one is. I've also been a guest on WWO uh, about wrestling movies, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I love watching terrible movies. I don't love all of the terrible movies, but it's almost always a fun experience to talk about them. Yeah, um, yeah. coincidentally, there is a lot of terrible movies with <laughs> professional wrestlers, or uncoincidentally, right? Or Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. don't know if that's a word, but... <laughs> it is right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you go check that out, you'd definitely hear me pop up there. Uh, maybe I'll have Mike back on to do uh, a, a future episode on something coming up down the road. We'll you know, if he has time in his busy schedule. Oh, um, dude, you got to give me another band, man. I got to give you another band? Yeah, give me another band to check out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back on um, uh, to examine another one of these bands. But yeah, you can hear me at Jim's BBQ2 whenever it comes out. And if you want to check out more of Diary of Doom, diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, diaryofdoom.podbean.com. If you want to support the podcast directly, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, And obviously, Patreon, uh, tell everybody about that. Tell them to subscribe. August, August, tell everybody to subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, August, come on. You're the only one. Tell, tell the fishes to subscribe. <laughs> tell the fishes. I don't even think he likes fish that much. <laughs> no, the fishes. He fishes, man. Oh, those fishes. Yes. Yes, the yeah. fish. The fish people. The fishies. Tell the fish people to subscribe. Tell the tell the tell the tell the fellow fishermen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can find that, find all the Diary of Doom stuff there. Um, go check out the YouTube channel. Going to be uploading some videos. It's nothing amazing, but you know, if you want to see fucking bunch of Doom bands, some come to grief, go check that out. There's also I made fun of Joe Biden in one of my videos. It's kind of funny. Put a blood incantation over one of his speeches. Guy's kind of a fool, but it was kind of funny. So anyway, that'll do it for this uh, bonus episode of Diary of Doom, and uh, we'll catch you next time.